0: Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. principles that help us stay strong in this year 2023, and these 12 principles should be in your life. They'll make a profound difference in your life many of you have already communicated. You are trying uh, to incorporate these principles in your own life, and, um, and you've given me examples. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. We learned uh, several weeks ago now in principle number one that someone is taking your picture. We looked at the Bible character Daniel, and in, uh, when we looked at Daniel, the fact of the matter is, is that when he knew the decree had been, declined, uh, had been signed, he did not stop serving and praying. He he did, the Bible says, as he did aforetime, time He kept his windows open. He still prayed. He knew that his picture was being taken. In principle number two, he said, someone needs your encouragement. Have you encouraged anyone lately? Have you, uh, have you gone out of your way to take your eyes off of yourself and turn them around and be an encouragement to someone else? And we looked at so many times we're laser-focused on the mistakes of someone else when we ignore the successes that are right there before us in their lives. We used Barnabas' example. And Now that Barnabas, he didn't get all, a lot of accolades in the Bible, but he was an encourager. He encouraged Saul, who later became Paul, and he encouraged John Mark, who had quit um, and he had helped both of, those, uh, both of those men become successful in their ministry. We looked at a third principle. That third principle is your commitments reveal your cause. We want to know what you're about. Your commitments reveal that. And we looked at Elisha, how that he was doing his job when no one else noticed. And we must be passionate in our purpose to serve Jesus Christ. We've got to avoid those embarrassing, half-committed efforts that so often characterize those who are not committed to the cause of Christ. We looked at uh, principle number four, impose your will. The fact of the matter is, is that the world is doing its best to impose its will on you. So you will either be imposed by the world or you will be imposed by Christ. Um, do you allow the world to impose its uh, value system on you? Uh, the fact is, is that there are two teams. There's God's team and there's the devil's team. And you're on one of them. But you can't be on both of them. And so which team are you on this morning? Friend, you can only be on one team. I choose to be on God's team. How about you? And then we looked at a fifth principle, and the fifth principle was this. The voices you listen to impact your choices. The voices you listen to impact your choices. And we said that church members can be divided really into three categories. Those who have decided, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to surrender to God's will for my life. Um, I'm content, I've I've got the salvation, I've got the life insurance policy, and I just am going to do what I want to do. There are those who have decided they will follow what God's plan is for their life, and I'm thankful that there are hundreds here this morning that your testimony be that I want to follow God's will and plan for my life. And there are those that comprise most of us, and that is this, we want to do what God wants us to do, but man, it's tough. And sometimes I trip and stumble, and sometimes I fail in that effort, and sometimes it's just really difficult. And we, we said a week ago and got into a very uh, a direct, pointed, perhaps in my 26 years of pre, uh, preaching, just the, the most direct message I've preached in some time, and I've had a lot of feedback. A lot of people said they were praying for me this week, and this week was, was full of challenges and, and some real, real obstacles and things that have happened, and... And I'm convinced that your prayer life helped your pastor get through this week. It helped others get through this week. Um, May I just take a moment and just say, follow up on last Sunday's message before we get to our text this morning. Uh, um, The reality is, is that being a parent and a grandparent is difficult. Let's acknowledge that. Our children primarily sleep at our homes, but during the day, they're under someone else's care, whether that's a preschool, a child care, a kindergarten, a school, middle school, high school, many hours a week, they are outside of our control. And then once they get a little bit older in those teen years, they're, they're hanging out with their teen friends. And, and, um, and, our, and, and our role, and many times, is, 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 is we, we abdicate or give up. We su- succeed that to someone else. And in the process, we're losing our children. And it's a concern. And that's been highlighted this week as, as, we've, as we've heard from so many of you. And, and you've said, oh, well, Pastor, how do I? Okay, you said that my children shouldn't have this, but what do I do? At the end of this message, every church member is going to receive an email from me with some resources uh, that uh, going to be downloaded for you to get. Uh, do you know that there's a phone that you can get? That your children, your teenage children, your middle school children, if you choose to have a phone, give them a phone, that there's a phone that they can have that they can text you and call you and that's it. It's a novel idea. What a great thing. I've sent you an email that has the information. Do you know that, honestly, one of the things that we struggle with is is that electronic box in our home called a television? And and, and, and I, I have one. And just the other night, my wife and I were watching something, and my wife said, that's disgusting, and she turned it off as she saw two men making out on TV. And our TV went off. We were repulsed by that, but do you know that your children and your grandchildren, they, they're seeing that more and more, and, and they're thinking that's normal. But do you know that there is a, there's, there's also some, some help there, that, that, that if you're willing... There's some help where you can have a device in your home that will filter all of that stuff out before it comes up. And you as an adult and you as children and teenagers and college students, you don't have to hear the Lord's name taken in vain. You don't have to hear the language of this world. And you can have these things taken out from your home and they can be replaced with something that's good and something that's godly. Um. And that's why in the month of February, why we're, why we're showing four episodes of The Chosen on Sunday nights. Uh, Last Sunday night was our first one. Tonight will be our second one. And our whole idea uh, on this uh, reason we're doing it is to expose your family that there are things that are worthy to watch, things that you can watch, that are not taking the Lord's name in vain, that are not um, uh, full of sexuality and, and innuendo, and that are not undermining the pinnings of the family. And so we're trying our best as a church to come alongside you as a family and support the very difficult job that you have in training your children and grandchildren. Um, we're not your enemy. There's a couple people last week, there's one lady. I don't see her back today. She pointed her finger in my face. last Sunday she was so angry with me about last Sunday morning's message. I'm not your enemy. Believe me, I could have completely avoided last Sunday morning's message and not said anything and just preached something, something else and you, you sugar-coated it. And we left here and we said, well, Pastor did a good job today. Listen, I'm, when I say I'm tired of the devil taking our sons and our daughters, I mean it. I wanna, I sometimes I honestly feel I'm willing to fight more for your children than you are. So I just want to say... I'm here to help you. I'm here to provide resources, and you will receive an email today with these resources that if you'll take them seriously, they can help you in your family today. It's repulsive to God what's going on in this world. Now, may I just get down to where we live? Is that okay? It's going to anyway, but this is, this is where we're headed. I preached last Sunday morning as direct and pointed as I could. And just six hours later, on national television, two people who do not, haven't figured out if they are male or females, and say they are no longer identified as male or female. During the Grammys, they announced that they were going to sing a song to worship the devil. And CBS, Twitter, I read it. We are excited. We're ready to worship. One week ago, while we were having church, during the Grammys, they worshiped the devil. It's not in secret anymore. It's out in the public. It's for all to see. The agenda is clear. The mainstream media don't even make a pretense anymore of who they worship. It was wicked. It was vile. I wanted to go take a shower after watching the clip. Folks, I want to worship God. But there were families who watched that last Sunday. They weren't in church, they watched the music of the Grammys. And there were children. And teenagers and college students and middle school students who were allowed and permitted to watch that filth and garbage last week of literally our nation. Millions of people who applauded to the song. Who, that, the title of the song was this, Unholy. And they literally worshipped the devil on primetime TV, live. You see, when I say the devil's winning... He is. And when I say I want to come alongside and I want to protect your sons and your daughters, I mean it. We cannot succeed any more territory to the devil. And I will say this. If you allowed your children to watch that filth and garbage, you're the problem, not your children. You say, Pastor, you got a good way of building a church. That's how serious I am about it. Do you know that there are wicked people that want to snatch your daughter and steal your daughter? And they're going to do it through media and they're going to draw you in and they're unbeknownst to you through a game console, through a through a private text message, through an app that you're ignorant of. There's going to be some wicked man talking to your daughter, and he was going to meet up with your daughter, and he's going to take away your daughter, and he's going to steal your daughter, and you're going to say, "What happened? How could that happen?" Because you're not being a gatekeeper at home. I'm not here. To, I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to say we 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 have a battle going on and it's time we stand up together and we've got to do this together and we're not to bite and devour each other we're to come alongside and link arms and we're to help each other now let's get into the word I want to share only one principle with you from First Kings chapter number 17 and this is going to hit all of us right in the forehead like David slung that rock and struck Goliath. Our next principle is this: serving never ends. Serving never ends. A great football coach said this, "Don't get too excited about the good plays, don't get too bad get too down about the bad plays, but always be thinking about the next play." I wonder, have you ever been asked, "How's your day?" That's usually how we start a conversation. How's your day? Where do you work? What do you do? How many have you ever been asked, how's your day? Yeah, of course, every one of us, we've been asked, how's your day? If you ask a teenager that, you fine. find one, one word answer, short, sweet. Let me tell you about a guy, if you ask about how his day was, let's see what his day was. Look with me in 1 Kings chapter number 17 and verse number 1. First Kings chapter 17 verse number 1. The Bible says this, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. Now what do we know about Ahab? What was his profession? He was what? He was the king. Was he a good king or a bad king? He wasn't a bad king. He was a wicked king. He was a wicked king. So the prophet, the preacher, if we could use that, he was a prophet. I know someone will correct me, but but for our sake... He's a preacher, the pastor of the, of the area. He goes to the king. They're having a conversation. And he said unto Ahab the king, As the God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Woo, does anyone have power like that? That you can go to the king and say, Hey, listen, king, I am representing God, and it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain again. I don't think any one of us have that authority. I I think we might shudder to even speak on God's behalf that way. That's the kind of relationship that Elijah had with the God of heaven. I'd like for us to look at Elijah's wow day. Elijah's wow. How's your day, Elijah? Wow, let me tell you about my day. So turn over one chapter. And we see uh, in chapter 18, and we'll pick up the story in verse 17 and 18. Elijah, he stood before Ahab and said, hey, it's not going to rain. Elijah, he had that courage, and he comes before Ahab again. And he's talking to Ahab in verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, hey, are you the one that's been troubling Israel? And notice what happens. And he answered, I've not troubled Israel. You, your father's house, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you are the one who's followed Baal. Uh, Elijah, he says that to the highest office in the land. I wonder if the president of the United States of America were to give you a private audience. Would you have the courage to say, sir... You're the one who's troubled this land. Sir, you're the one who is promoting this godless, LGBT gender grooming down our throats. Sir, you are the problem. Your family's the problem. Your administration's the problem. Now, you'd say, of course I would. Uh, Really? We get upset because Pastor Armstrong preached a little tough message last week. And you're going to convince me you're going to have boldness before the President of the land? I don't believe you. <laughs> Most of us would be ushered into the presidents, uh, and we'd have an audience with the president, and we'd be tra- blah 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 blah. blah, blah. <laughs> we would have no idea what we were saying. We'd try to say something and we'd sound like a bumbling idiot. You know why? Because we don't have a cause. It's easy to have a cause when you're seated here in church on Sunday morning. It's another thing when Monday morning comes and you say, I'm not listening to that filth and garbage in the workplace. I'm not going to espouse that. I'm not going to allow that to be part. Here's Elijah. He had a wild day. Elijah, he uh, he confronted Ahab with giving the facts. Now, here's what he didn't do. He didn't demean Ahab and call him names. Sometimes church members, they confront other church members in the course of doing life and and family and ministries, but they do it with animosity or bitterness or hatred. That's not in this story. Ahab was confronted with the facts by Elijah. Hey, you're the problem. Your policies are the problem. Can I be a help to you today? The devil is doing a great job in churches, trying to divide and split churches. Do you know, I want you to hear my heart. Do you know that today there's going to be some churches that didn't have a choir. They had a praise and worship band. And they preached Jesus and people got saved. Do you know that's okay? Do you know that there's going to be some churches that this morning, they're in Pennsylvania and they wore Philadelphia gear to church this morning. And they didn't wear a suit and tie. And they didn't wear a dress. And their pastor got up and preached, and people got saved today. Do you know that's okay? I'm not throwing a rock at them. Do you know that today there was some preacher that he opened the Word of God, and it was a different translation than the translation that's in your lap? And people got saved. And it's going to be okay. And if you're one of those people who said, well, if they, they didn't use the translation in my, in my lap, then they didn't really get saved. Well, guess what? I, I am so happy to inform you that that person, I've already asked God to be in the mansion next to your mansion in heaven. <laughs> and for all of eternity, you can talk about that. And there's some people here today... Uh, in our, among our own congregation, it says, uh, I don't like Pastor Jerome's preaching. I don't like his illustration, but I just come here because it's where my friends come. It's the wrong motivation for coming to church, but you know what? I'm glad that you're here at church. A- and it's okay. But let's not have bitterness and animosity and hatred toward one another. Let's not bite and devour our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's not pleasing to God. Elijah, the prophet, he confronted the king, the wicked king. He confronted him with truth. And here's what Elijah did. He demonstrated his public confidence in God. Follow along very quickly. My time is slipping away here. Um, uh, Verse number 19. Now, therefore... Send and gather to me all Israel to Mount Carmel. By the way, how many of you have been to Mount Carmel? There's a lot of people here. We've been to Mount Carmel. We can visualize this very spot. And some 70-plus people are going to visualize this in November of this year. The prophets of Baal, 450. And the prophets of the groves, 400. So how many is that? 850. 850. Which eat at whose table? Jezebel, that's the wife of the wicked king. She's just as wicked. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together into Mount Carmel. Drop down to verse 21 there. And Elijah came unto all the people and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They were quiet. Church. You have a choice this morning, be on God's team or be on the devil's team. Which team are you going to be on? There shouldn't be any hesitation there. Then said Elijah to the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet unto the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and, 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 let, and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it into pieces, lay it on wood, put no fire under it, and I'll dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. Here's, he said, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to see, we're going we're to have a game here. And we're going to see which God is real. Which God will win. And Elijah, he was on full display in front of this entire crowd. How many were on Elijah's side? There's Elijah. And I think about sports and oftentimes athletes, they provide a a unique preparation for life because they're on display in front of a large crowd. Maybe a student fails a chemistry test, The results are not published for the public to see, but an athlete who makes a, a mistake on a basketball floor, he does so in front of hundreds and sometimes thousands of people. An athlete, uh, they, they will excel under that pressure or oftentimes they'll wilt under that pressure. The world and the world's systems, it's a continual training ground for all of us. If we're going to stand strong for Christ, or will we'll wilt. In front of the crowd. Does the opinion of the world matter to you? What will you do when you're given the opportunity to publicly stand for Christ? Well, it's an amazing story. Elijah went to battle. Now understand who Elijah's battling. He's battling King Ahab, the false god Baal, and Satan himself. Elijah was taking on Satan. In this godless idol named Baal. Look with me down in verse 24. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I'll call in the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people said, it's well-spoken. I agree with this. Let's do this. Because all the people, they believe what? They believe that the god Baal. They believed that Satan. They believed that King Ahab. They believed that that was the, the, the uh, idol that the fire would fall down and consume. Then to verse 25, and Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, "Choose you one bullet for yourselves, dress it first, for ye are many, and call in the name of your gods, plural. But put no fire under it. In other words, you don't light, You don't have it. It Has got to be from a go- got to be one of your gods that lights this fire." One, verses 850. The odds certainly seem stacked against him. Elijah, he refused to focus on the competition. He refused to focus on the clamoring of the world and the allure of the world and the opportunity of living in this world. Instead, Elijah, he solely focused on one thing. That was his mission, and his mission was this, to prove that God is real and only God is real. In sports, Oftentimes, athletes, they reset their focus on every possession and they're not distracted by their opponent, no matter how daunting. What does Elijah do? There was lots of distractions. I can assure you that he demonstrates a holy boldness that's often missing from most Christians in 2023. Notice what he does. In verse 27, he mocks the prophets of Baal. In verse 33 through 35, he soaks his sacrifice with water, not once, not twice, but three times. In verse 40, he kills the prophets of Baal. In verse 41, he climbs to the top of Mount Carmel, and what does he do? He prays that it'll rain. In verse 43, he tells Ahab he better get his chariot down off the mountain or it's about to get stuck in the mud. And then in verse 46, he runs at least 17 miles from Mount Carmel to uh, the gates of Jezreel. And so after mocking the prophets of Baal and calling down fire from heaven, Elijah, he kills those prophets of Baal. May I just tell you, Elijah had a wild day. Have any of you ever had a day like that? I don't think so. Can you imagine the look on Ahab's face when he sees Elijah passing him uh, on the left? Ahab is in his, uh, in his all of his horses and in his chariot, and here comes Elijah. Ooh. Often wonder if Ahab had a rearview mirror on his little chariot there. Elijah certainly had reason to celebrate. None of us have ever had a day quite like Elijah. We know how it feels sometimes to play in a a big game and we maybe made the winning shot. Uh, We know maybe we won somebody to the Lord and had a temporary spiritual success. Uh, Be careful celebrating before the game is over because just like Elijah had the wow of wow days, the Bible also tells us that Elijah had an oh no day. Elijah, on the heels of this amazing, incredible victory, he had an oh-no-day. In a stunning reversal, we read about Elijah's life just a few days later. Turn over to chapter 19 of your Bible there in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Bible says in verse number 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might be I want you to notice the words of Elijah. He says this, It is enough! Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. What happened? How could Elijah go from, Wow, look at what God did. He consumed the the sacrifice, including the stones. He, He killed the prophets of Baal. He did all of these amazing things, under the power of God, in front of the vastness of the crowd. And I find now that he's under a juniper tree ready to die. Oh no. In my study of God's word, I find that temperance is a biblical principle. Temperance means to restrain or moderate. Temperance is a rare topic. We don't preach about that that much, but it is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Against such, there is no law. It's a, there is this teaching of restraining emotions. Can I ask you if a hypothetical person from Mars dropped down during the game? They may be over Alaska right now or Montana if they were to drop down and watch you play would would they would your body language tell you tell them that you're up by 30 or down by 30 we all have days when we don't feel like a good player and by the way do you know that we have days we don't feel like a good christian how many of you can relate to that there's days But we're selfish when we place how we feel above the goals of God's church. We're selfish when we place how I feel. I feel we shouldn't do this. I feel that that, this or feel that, and I'm bothered by this, and our it's all feelings. Listen, we need some people at principle, not always working on their emotions. So often we put the emotions. And we focus on our feelings and we actually are governed by our frustrations. Here's what Elijah did. Please notice. Elijah took his eyes off of God. He had the most incredible day of days. He had a wild day and he simply took his eyes off of God. With God on his team, Elijah saw over 800 false prophets die by the hand of the sword. However, Ahab's wife what was her name? Jezebel. She sent a message to Elijah, the Bible says, and she said this, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah wilted. One woman who sent a message said, I'm going to kill you. And he wilted. So often, after a great big victory, um, uh, there's a sudden shift in our emotions and our feelings that ruins the victory. We have these, oh no, waves of despair that uh, we literally think that it would be better if we just died. How sad. Now, no notes here. Just listen to me. If this could happen to Elijah, If this could happen to Elijah who prayed fire down from heaven. If this could happen to Elijah who prayed rain down from heaven. If this could happen to Elijah who killed some 800 people by his own sword. If this could happen to Elijah who ran the fastest marathon who's ever been run. If this could happen to Elijah who was ministered to, uh, uh, ministered by an angel. If this could happen to Elijah, it could happen to you. And that's why we need each other. And that's why someone needs your encouragement. And that's why we must understand, the Bible says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. If you do not control your feelings, you'll make unhealthy, terrible choices. God, I just want to die. I got this note. That's what he got. He got a message. I I got this email that discouraged me. I'm just going to quit. I got this note in the mail. I'm just going to quit. I got this text. It's only one word, but we'll quit. Elijah got a message, and it discouraged him, and he wanted to quit. I and you can focus on two things, your attitude and your effort. In my most productive days, I focus on those things that uh, that my attitude and my effort can control and help. In my least productive days, I often get my eyes off of God and I focus on the things that I can't change. In high school, I had a soccer coach by the name of Tom Baker. Coach Baker, he taught us that it's bad sportsmanship to argue with the official because it leads to bad soccer playing. Here's what he taught us. Any mental time spent away from focusing on my attitude and my effort is misplaced mental energy and could cost us a close soccer game. And and that's not controllable. Don't think about it. Um, Oftentimes we get our eyes off of that which is important. And we allow our feelings to control us and we make unwise, unhealthy decisions and it impacts the cause of Christ. Elijah had a wow experience. He had an oh no experience. Now here's the great end to the story. Quickly look with me, chapter 19, verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time. So he'd been ministered to by the angels two times, touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey's too great for thee. Elijah was having his down moment, but God wasn't going to let him stay there. My friend, God won't let you stay in your down moment either. I want you to listen to what happens beginning in verse 10. Just follow along with me. You have your Bibles. The verses will be on the screen behind me. And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, they have thrown down thine altars, they have slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Here's Elijah. He's been discouraged, he's having his oh no day. And in having his own no day, he's explaining to the prophet what's going on. Verse 11, and he said, go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind uh, uh, rent the mountains, break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And a wind, uh, after the wind, an earthquake. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Oh, please listen to verse 12. And after the fire a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it. There was a wind, there was an earthquake, there was a fire, but it was the still, small voice, and Elijah heard it. That he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entering in of the cave, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What? Doest thou hear Elijah? So in verse 14, Elijah he repeats verse number 10 because he is now actually talking to God. I want you to notice what God says. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way. In other words, he had gotten off the path, he wasn't where he's was supposed to be. Elijah, go, return to the way. Of the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elijah the son of Shaphat of Abemilah shalt thou uh, uh, anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Do you see what happened? Here's what God said. Okay, Elisha, the pity party's over. He never addressed Elijah's Elijah's pity party. God never, ever addressed it. He told Elijah, get back to work. Stay strong. Get back in to where you're supposed to be. And the Bible is full of people who suffered significant setbacks, but they had great comebacks. Do you remember Peter? How about Peter? He cut off the ear of a man. Impetuous. He denied. He denied. Oh, he didn't just deny Jesus. He cursed. He cursed. I think he had a pretty significant comeback. He preached a great revival meeting, which God, through the Holy Spirit, saved thousands of people. I want you to remember something serving never ends. In other words, living this Christian life never ends. There are some here this morning that you are seated, you're complacent, maybe a little crusty in your heart, maybe a little judgmental, maybe a little bitter. Maybe a little bit removed. Because, let's be honest, you're having an oh-no-day. God never addressed Elijah's oh-no-day. You know what he told him? Get back in there and do what you're supposed to be doing. Get back to serving. I have a mission for you. Your life is not over. I'm not going to let you die. Get back to serving. Friends, God has a purpose for your life. Get back to it. Get back to serving. Get up. Get busy. Get out of your oh no. Get back to the wow. He saved me. He gave me a new life. He gave me an amazing church. He gave me brothers and sisters in Christ. He gave me a job to do, training my children and my grandchildren. He gave me a job to do to disciple other new Christians. God gave me a job to do. Re-engage. Get back to it. No more sitting on the sidelines. There's too many people that sit in the stands and cheer, rah, rah, rah. We need players on the field who are willing to play. We need people who are willing to engage. Folks, don't lose any more children. Don't lose your grandchildren. Let's have some people who are engaged. Never stop serving. When we stop serving, our church dies. I'm going to ask you three questions. Would you close your Bibles I'm going to ask you three questions and then we're finished. Three questions. I want you to answer these answers. I'm not going to ask you to write it down it's because your spou- spouse may see your answer or one of your children or the person that you're seated by that you're dating. I'm going to ask you three questions. Here's question number one. As a church member, as a church member, if the future of our church depended on my level of involvement in this church, Would it survive, yes or no? If the future of our church depended on my level of involvement, would the church survive? Ouch. Ouch. Question number two. If the future of the church depended on my commitment to giving, would this church survive? If the future of Tucson Baptist Church depended as a member on my level of giving, would it survive? Well, that's somebody else's responsibility to give. For God loves a cheerful giver. Question number three. Would the future of our church be secure secure? based on how many people I'm reaching with the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Would the future of Tucson Baptist Church be secure on the basis of how many people I am reaching with the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Go tell, the Bible says. May I ask you, on the heels of that third question, When's the last time you told anyone about Jesus? You say, Pastor, that's your responsibility. It's a responsibility, but show me where it's, I'm the responsibility to tell everyone about Jesus.